I want to ask you about one part of the book. When you talk about on your eye black, when you wrote 316 yeah. from the Bible, can you tell the people about the uncanny coincidence that happened in a press conference a few years later? Yeah, well, we were playing for the national championship um, in college on January 8, 2009, and I decided to wear John 316 under my eyes. And during the game, uh, 94 million people Googled John 316, and it was a pretty cool moment. Well, exactly three years later, we happened to be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round of the playoffs when I was with the Denver Broncos. And I didn't even know that it was exactly three years later. It was uh, January 12th. Or January 8, 2012, exactly three years later to the day. I just went out there and tried to do whatever I could to win a playoff game. And afterwards, I'm going into the press conference because I love talking to the media. <laughs> and uh, our PR guy jumps in front of me and says, Timmy, did you realize what happened? I was like, yeah, we just beat the Steelers. We're going to play the Patriots. He was like, no, did you realize what happened? I was like, all right, Patrick, what's up? He said, it's exactly three years later from the day that you wore John 316 under your eyes. I was like, oh, that's really cool. He said, no, I don't think you realize what happened. During the game, you threw for 316 yards. Your yards per rush were 3.16. Your yards per completion were 31.6. The ratings for the game were 31.6. And the time of possession was 31.6. And during the game, 90 million people had already Googled John 3.16. It was the number one trending thing on Facebook and Twitter. And a lot of people will say, it's coincidence. I say, big God. John 3.16. I wonder how many of us hear that today. I know as we hear Tim Tebow talk about the story, about him speaking up, you know, and wearing John 3.16. I want to tell you that I really don't want to like him. I really don't. Because you know why? When he's talking about the game in college when he wore that, it was against my Oklahoma Sooners that he beat us in the national championship. So I really have a hard time. I really didn't want to beat him. I mean, I really didn't want to like him. But I saw that. I was like, oh, God, he's a Christian. i got to like him. Okay. And so I really had to pray about it hard. But I tried to like him. And I know a lot of you Chiefs fans in here really have a hard time liking anybody who was quarterback for the Broncos. So I know that's a hard stretch for you. But behind this message, I believe that I believe God really didn't care who won the game. I, really, I don't believe that God really cared who won the game. I'm not trying to say that. But I believe that God was having a little fun. He was having a little fun because he was ridiculed for wearing that under his eyes. And God had a little fun. That he picked three years to the exact date. And he would allow all those numbers. That never has never happened anywhere close to that before. Where everything, all the stats lined up. If you could read them, the 3, 1, 6. And exactly three years to the day that he wore that. It's John 3.16 and over 90 billion people. And that day that he, it happened again, and when this happened again, they said like 94 million people started Googling it, finding out what's the big deal about John 3.16. It's a verse that you and I hear. If you've been raised in church at any time in your life, you've heard that verse before. Maybe as a child you learned to memorize that verse and quote that verse. But I wonder how many of us have heard this verse so much that we kind of allow it to become kind of glossy. What I mean by that is it doesn't really affect us the way it really should. We don't really grasp the full meaning of John 3.16. So today I want to just simply break it down to you. John 3.16 for a few minutes here, then we're going to do some special things here at the close of our service. John 3.16, let's bring that verse up. Look what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And we read that, and it's a cool verse. It's really cool. But have you really stopped and really thought about it? Look what it's wrote here. It's written out for us. For God. First of all, for God. Not you and I. For God loved us this much. 
the God of the universe, the God who spoke the light into existence, the God who spoke the universe into existence. Oh, the God who loved us, the, the God for God. Pastor, do you, do you really believe? Do you really believe there, there is a God? Do you really believe? Yes, I do. I believe with all of my heart there is a God, and he spoke us into existence. He spoke the world into existence. I believe there is a God. I don't know. The government's working really hard to tell us. Well, let me just tell you what the government also says. It says that in 2016 years ago, that a man came that was so influential, that was so altering to the universe that we keep our date by his birthday. And that every time you sign a legalized document, the government refuses to legalize that document unless you have the man's birthday on there signifying that 2016 years ago something happened that altered the world, that changed the world. It's printed on our money. It's there in our legal documents. It's, it's on our watches, our computers, everywhere we look. The date's there, signifying that something happened. What happened? For God. That's what happened for God. So loved us that he sent his only son. And we read the word, so loved the world. It's not that he loved us. No, no, no. See, the word so there is so big as a part of this. Because when you see the word so, it's decreeing it to a different level. It's saying this is a remarkable fact. This is a very remarkable fact. This isn't just that God loved us. It's remarkable. It's a fact so strong that they put the word so. So let it be. So let it be so. So it begun. It's the same thing here. So God so loved us. He loved the world that he gave. That's that's the significance. He, the God of the universe, loved you and I so much that he gave. How does he express his love to you and I? He gave the most valuable gift he could give to mankind. He gave the most valuable gift he could give to mankind. He gave a son. Oh, he could give us material things and we'd be happy and we'd like that. But if you, when you talk to people who's been through tragedies in their life and they've lost homes and tornadoes and they've lost homes and fires and floods and they've had automobile wrecks and totaled the car, they always say the same thing, that those things can be replaced. I'm just thankful I have my family. Thankful I still have my children. And we mourn with those who have lost during those difficult times. It's hard. and It's hard. Those, those buildings can be replaced. Things can be replaced. But you mourn the loss of the relationship. Because it's the most valuable thing we have. How much did the God of the universe love you and I? He so loved us that he gave his only son. He so loved us that he gave his only son. And I think about the bond that we have with our children and the love we have for our children. That even though, even though, and my kids aren't perfect, your kids aren't perfect, and even though when they blow it, we love them even greater. We love them even so. We love them. Why? Because it's the bond there that we love. It's the greatest love we have. Our love with our children. It's the greatest love we can experience. I was talking to a friend before church in the early service, and one of the grandpas who came to see their kids perform, and he told me, he said, I wish people could understand the love that the father has for us. It's really like the love of a grandparent. 
And the reason why I say that, because I was telling him, I said, I don't understand my dad. Because when I was growing up, I couldn't get, squeeze a wooden nickel out of my father. Any, you know what I'm saying? I couldn't get anything out of his tight. But the grandkids, all they got to say is, Papa, I always wanted one of those. And he's like, get it. Put it in the bag. Put it in the basket. We'll get it. Sure. I'm like, if I would have done that, I would have been hit upside the head. Get that back and march it back to the aisle you got it from. I don't know what you are doing, boy. We can't afford it. We ain't doing that. So I look at my dad now. I'm like, who are you? I don't know who you are. Who are you? He goes, I wish that people could understand that the love for the father is it's even greater than the love of a father. It's, it's, it even stretches to the love of a grandparent who wants to do the best that they can. That's the love we have for us. That's the love that God has for us that he gives the very best. That whosoever. That's you and that's me. That's everybody in the universe. Everybody on our world today. That whosoever. Not the perfect people, but the people who's blown it just like me and you. Not the people who look like me or look like you, but they look like brown, yellow, white, red, it doesn't make a difference. For whosoever, whoever, whosoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The whosoever. God came to give his love to the whosoever. And that's who you and I are called to give the love of God to. The whosoever. Whosoever. Doesn't make a difference of their social class. Doesn't make a difference of their race. Doesn't make a difference of their mistakes. Doesn't make a difference. We're called to give God's love to whosoever. He said, I've come to give my son to whosoever. And he tags it with this who believeth in him, they would not perish. See, God sent a son, but there is something that comes along with that. We've got to believe. We've got to believe that he is the Messiah. We've got to believe in the power of the cross. We've got to believe that he sent his son for us to redeem us, that his son would grow up, that his son would die on the cross for our sins. We've got to believe that. That's all we've got to do. We don't earn it, but we do have to believe it, that he is the Messiah and he died for my sins. And if I believe that, wow, I'm not going to perish, but I have an everlasting life. You see, there's two philosophies out there that people try to debate and say aren't, aren't really true about Scripture. One is that there's really not a hell. And there is a hell. The Bible's very clear. There really is a hell. And you and I are falling short of His glory, and we're heading there if we don't believe in Him. That's very true. But it also says this, that whoever, whosoever, would just believe in Him, we would not perish. But man, we'll have everlasting life with Him. So that's the key. See, the second false teaching is this, is that God loved everybody, that he's already died for the sins of the world for everybody. And so no matter what you believe, all roads lead to heaven. And that's not the truth. The truth is this, that the road of the cross leads to heaven. That he who believes in the cross, he who believes in the Messiah, that leads to heaven. So it's, not, it's not a hard thing. It's not a thing we earn. We're not good enough for it, but we do have to believe it. We do have to believe that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. That no one enters the gates of heaven except through him. We've got to believe that. If we believe that, 
will have everlasting life. So how do you and I love? How do you and I, how do we love? We love to whosoever. Why? Because that's how he loved us. How do we love them? That when they reject his son, his son still died for him. As to whosoever. So look what Romans says here. Romans 12 and 9 and 10. He gives us some pretty strong words. He says, don't, don't pretend. I'm pretty good at that. How about you? Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Don't just pretend. Really, really love them. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to love to whosoever. And this backs up because we find it when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing we can do? He says right here, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. And then he says, don't just pretend to love them, really love them. And look what it says, hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is for good, love each other with a genuine affection, take delight in honoring each other. Now, we're really good. The church is, I must tell you, the church is really, really good at hating what is wrong. Matter of fact, I would tell you that if you could go out, you could ask the world today, those who have no Christian influence, and ask them, say, what is the church known for? They would list everything the church hates. We've got that part down pretty good. Everybody knows what we hate, and everybody knows what we, what we don't like. But the part that we've got to work on, the part that we struggle with, and I struggle with, you struggle with, is that we've got to hold tightly to what is good. And we've got to love others. How about if we flip that script and say, you know what? I'm going to hate what God hates, but I'm going to love what God loves. And who does he love? The whosoever. So if they don't vote like me, I love them anyway. If they don't look like me, I love them anyway. If they don't hold true to what God wants for their life, I still love them anyway. I hold tight to what is wrong. And I don't like it. But you know what? I'm also called to love the whosoever. And this is how we're going to reach people, is with the love, the whosoever. We have people who come in our church who are living all kinds of different lifestyles, are living all kinds, and they come from different backgrounds. And, and one of the things I love is that no matter where you come from, when you come into destiny, we're going to love you where you're at. We're going to preach the truth of the gospel. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to your life. And it happens all the time. I get story after story after story of people who come to me and say, Pastor, I'm changing this in my life. I'm changing this about my lifestyle. I'm changing this about what I'm doing. Why? Because I preached the message. No, because the Holy Spirit allowed us to love them. And the Holy Spirit changed them. And they made changes in their life. We've got to love people. We're called to love the whosoever. This is my job. This is your job, to love the whosoever. I hate what is wrong, but I hold tightly to what's good. What's good that he loved the whosoever. I've got to really love them. Take delight in honoring each other. We've got to get back to that. Let's be known for what we love, not for what we hate. You know, I love that we opened up this story today with Tim Tebow and him talking about a football experience. Like I said, I don't think God really cares about who wins or loses unless you're a Cowboys fan. But anyway, I just tell you, God doesn't really care. I'm sorry, we're having a little fun. Uh, God doesn't really care. But I personally like the game of football. I, I played it several years of my life, coached it, kids have played it, 
I really enjoy the game. And the reason why I enjoy the game, and I get it, some people are really afraid of the game. They've seen movies and studies about concussions, and it's been problems. That is a problem, and I'm, I'm glad they're putting forth a lot of money right now to, to solve that problem. And they're, they've changed the way they're doing things. They've changed the way you're allowed to tackle now. You can't lead with your helmet. You can't hit with your helmet. If you do, you're out of the game. You're kicked out of the game, suspended. You can't play part of the next game. If you're in the NFL, they, they fine you several thousand dollars. You're not allowed to do it, okay? And they're taking that away to make the game safer for people. And if you even have a, a slight symptom of maybe even having a headache or a concussion or they think they take your helmet away from you and they make you wait several, several days and they reevaluate you and won't let you go back to even practicing until you pass the protocol of being completely healthy. They're making it safer. I hope they keep improving it. But one of the things I really love about the game is that football, like any other sport is, especially in high school, that anybody can go out for the team and make the team. I mean, you think about all the rest of the teams that are available when it comes to things in high school, baseball teams, softball teams, basketball teams, only a certain amount of people make the team and the rest get cut because they can't, they can't take on 125 people on the team. You can't have 125 people playing basketball. It just ain't going to happen on the team. But football, her, football doesn't make cuts. I love that. As long as you'll come out and practice and be faithful and give a full effort, the coach will keep you on the team. And they'll even let guys come out and, who don't give a full effort. But, you know, he doesn't, we don't cut people in football. It's a pretty amazing thing. It's about the bond. And if you think about it, football, you have 11 guys on the field for your team at one time. So you have 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense. It's pretty cool. And then you also have, you know, kickoff and kickoff return teams. You also have punt and punt return teams. And then you also have field goal teams. And you have block teams. I mean, you potentially could have up to 88 spots for a person to be able to be a part of that team if they really want to play. Now, obviously, coaches use some people to go different ways. But if a coach really wanted to, you could find 88 spots. That's a lot of kids to play in the field. And it doesn't make a difference. If you're big and slow, you can play football. If you're small and timid, you can still play football. It doesn't make a difference. If you're fast, you're slow, you're big, you're small, anybody can play who wants to play. And you get a part of a team, and it's going crazy because you'll see people, kids who, man, they, they practice six months around the year and off season, and, and they get into one play on a kickoff, and they come back out, and after 30 seconds, they're like, yeah, this changed my life. I am now the man. Yes. Why? Because they feel a part of a team. They feel like they belong to something. And a coach looks at them and says, man, you can run through a brick wall. Man, you get up, you can chew these nails. I had a coach that made me think I could chew nails, run through a brick wall. That's why I'm crazy. I look back at that man. He was just always just encouraged, just speaking things to me. It changed my life. And the reason why is because everybody can be a part I mean, you, you take your kid, you got to travel baseball, you got to travel softball, you travel basketball, and you're just hoping your kid has a chance to make the high school team. And I see a lot of great athletes who never get a chance to make the high school team just because there's only so many spots available. And you got parents spending, boy, thousands upon thousands of dollars just to try to help their kid make that one spot because it's so precious and so few, but not football. Anybody, even girls can come out for football if they really want to. 
Amazing, right? Okay, come on, ladies, I'm going to leave you out. You see, I was thinking about that. I was thinking, this is really, the reason I like it is because it really is the same way in the kingdom of God. It's that we can be a part of the team and God's not going to cut us. We can be a part of the team and God welcomes everyone on the team. Even the slow ones, he welcomes on the team. Even the big ones, he welcomes only the short ones. He welcomes everyone. Everybody has a role to play. Whether you're just helping out, carry the equipment to the field, or you're just on a kickoff, or, man, you're playing full-time as a quarterback or a running back. It doesn't make a difference. Everybody's a part of the team. And everybody gets a ring when you win. Amen? That's a cool thing. It's the same way in the kingdom of God. We are a part of the greatest team ever known. It's called the body of Christ, the church. We are his church. And we all have a role to play. And our role is to love the whosoever. And you can do that, and I can do that. No excuses. All I got to do is just do it. All I got to do is walk in my teammates. Walk in my calling. Walk in my coach's instructions. All I got to do is follow that. Why? Because I'm part of the team. And my part of the team is to love the whosoever. Some are going to love more than others. That's fine. But we can all love somebody. We can all be God's hands and feet to somebody. We can all show God's love to somebody. And that's my responsibility. This is what's going to happen today. I'm going to ask our ushers to prepare. Now, last year we did this, and I told you that don't get too excited because this is not going to be an annual thing. It's no promise. But I didn't tell you it wouldn't happen this year. My ushers are helping me. We're going to pass out envelopes. I want everybody who's the age of 18 and older to stand up. If you're 18, age of older, I want you to stand up. If you were here in the first service, you can stay down. I've already given you one, so I want you to sit down. Make sure everybody gets one. If you're here in the first service, you already got one. Go ahead and be seated. If you see your kid who's 16 standing up, tell him, say, you JV still. Sit down. You're on the JV, okay? <laughs> you're on the team, but you're JV right now, okay? This is what's going to happen. We're going to hand you an envelope today. Inside this envelope, it's going to say Merry Christmas on the outside. It's got our name on the outside. And on the opening up, it says, we just wanted to show you the love of Christ in a practical way this Christmas. Inside of it's going to be a $20 bill. You say, Pastor, you're giving me 20 bucks. No, I'm not giving you $20. I'm giving you $20 to use to somebody else who needs it. The finance team and the staff, we talked about it, we prayed about it, and we felt like we wanted to do this this year again. Where we put the money, we, we thought about donating money to other organizations, and we've done some of that, and we've helped other organizations with coat drives, food drives, we're helping some with Christmas gifts. Every year here at Destin, we go all out. Next week, we're going to be passing out Krispy Kreme donuts around the community to all of our police officers and volunteer emergency workers. But we wanted to give you something. And what we're going to ask you to do is, you're not supposed to take this and keep it for you. It's for you to take it and say, God, I want you to direct me to somebody I can just bless. And it's, this be sensitive. Maybe it's somebody in the line of the store. Maybe it's somebody at work you know. And I... I admit it. I know that $20 isn't going to be life-changing for somebody, okay? $20 is not going to make a a life change, but it can be the seed of a life-changing moment. And what I mean by this, when they see that someone loves them enough, someone cares for them enough, that you know what? I feel led to give this to you. 
We're going to pray over them. We're going to believe that God uses the seeds throughout this community, throughout this region as people are passing them out, giving the people. And it becomes a seed of his love. The love of whosoever. We had a packed service in the first service as well. So you can do the math. We're giving away several thousand dollars to the community today. Because we believe that we want to show God's love in a practical way. So this is what I want you to do. As you get them today, I want you to hold them up to the Lord. I want you to hold these up to the Lord. Let's pray over them. Father, I, I want to pray over every envelope in this room today. I pray that, Father, we become your hands and feet. That for every person holding this envelope today, that you would direct us to somebody that we can simply, to whosoever, that we can just show your love to. May it be a seed in their life that someone cares. May it be a seed in their life that, God, you see them. May it be a seed in their life, God, that, that you love them church loves them. The body of Christ, we love them. And God, I pray that we would give us the way to somebody who needs them. Direct our, direct us, God. Give us the Holy Spirit. Lead us. It may not just be a one-time thing, but God, may it be something that leads them to more in our life. We're giving things away in our life, helping others, the whosoever in our life. And God, may it be a seed today. I believe testimony is going to come back today for what you are doing through this offering. Through this community, God, we believe in the return of a harvest, God. We're going to love people with practical ways, and we believe you're going to send a spiritual harvest in return. And, Father, we pray over it, and we speak over it. May this region be flooded with the love of Christ. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing a song. these out in the community. If, if you have a story and you give it out and maybe you get a chance to pray for that person or something happens that's impactful that you think we want to hear, I want you to send us a message. Okay, Go to our Facebook page, send us a private message or text one of the pastors or send us a, a message through social media. Tell us your story. We want to hear your story. 
we'd like to take some of the highlights and bring them for the body and let you guys hear some of these cool stories I believe God's going to do through you being his hands and feet. When you leave today, we're going to hand you an invitation. Each family, make sure you take a couple of invitations with you just to have. Make sure you share them on social media. Let's fill the house of the Lord with people who need to be here next week. Today, I believe God is calling you and I, man. I want to pray for you one more time as we leave and dismiss today. Father, I thank you for the message of Jesus. The message of the gospel wrapped around in John 3.16. That tells us there is a God. That tells us how great his love is for us. That tells us his plan for redemption. His son, Jesus. That we can believe in him and have eternal life. Father, I thank you for the message of John 3.16. I pray that when we leave here today, God, we use it. I pray for the person who was here this morning and hearing the message of John 3.16. And maybe in their heart, the same pastor, I need to respond to that message. I need to accept. As I'll tell you, that's you. I say, believe in your heart right now. Believe in your heart. I'm ready. Pastor, I'm ready. Believe in your heart that he is the Messiah. Believe that he came to bring redemption to mankind. Accept his love and forgiveness today. Come on, believe in your heart. Believe it. Confess to God, I believe you are. And enter to the kingdom of heaven. Enter to the family of God and, and join the team. And join the team today. We'd love to have you a part of the team of God. And today I pray as you leave here that you are his hands and feet, that we are called to love to whosoever. How many today say, Pastor, I'm going to walk out here and learn to love the whosoever. Is that you? Come on, let's put God's our hands together. Thank you so much today. We love you. It's going to be an awesome weekend next weekend. Be ready. God bless you.